if you're trying to be more resilient, I think it's training how we perceive stress and challenge. Where can you find those moments to try to love challenge? Know that deep down, yeah, this sucks right now. And something in this is beautiful is going to come from this. I'm going to learn something from this. It's going to help me figure it out. Or I hate it so much that I'm going to, I'm going to pivot and I'm going to reorganize my life because this isn't working for me anymore. What is going on, hurdlers? Emily Body here. You are listening to another installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am bringing a conversation to the forefront, which I really, really loved with Courtney Thompson. She is a two-time Olympian. She's also a mindset coach, and we are discussing the importance of getting intentionally uncomfortable and learning to embrace when a situation may be difficult or challenging. We talk through how to embrace these difficult situations and strategies, helpful tools, tricks to get better with navigating these hurdle moments over time. We also talk about how to get to a place where you may love a challenge, as well as go over different resiliency building tips that can help you respond to setbacks as they come. I would say for a podcast that is called Hurdle, this episode is just as about as appropriate as it gets. Again, I loved this conversation with Courtney. We first met back in June through our mutual friends at Under Armour. She was on a panel that I hosted and I knew from that interaction that I had to bring her expertise on over here to the show. Now some housekeeping. I want to give you 24 hours. I'm giving you 24 hours to ask me any and all of your marathon training questions. That's right. Anyone who may be gearing up for a fall marathon, I get tons of questions in my DMs and in my email inbox all of the time. And I am going to answer all of them with the help of my coach for the London Marathon. Her name is Rebecca Stowe. Now here's the catch. In order for us to answer them, you're going to have to submit a listener question. If you've been thinking about it, if you've been hesitant on it, I get it, but now is the time. Let us help you. Rebecca and I are gonna be sitting down tomorrow, which means that if you are listening to this in real time and you've got a question for me, I'm all ears. Click on over to the show notes and submit a listener question. I can't wait to answer it in an upcoming episode. Make sure, as always, you are following along with Hurdle over on social media. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And last little call out here, do me a favor this week, tag Hurdle in your Instagram story. Maybe it's just a screen grab of the podcast art. Maybe it's a quote or a takeaway from an episode that you've listened to. Whatever it is, tag the show, spread the love, share it with a friend. Every little bit means the world to me. That is it for now. With that, let's get to hurdling.
I am sitting down with mindset coach Courtney Thompson. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm pretty fired up to be here. So uh, thanks for having me. I know. So grateful to uh, Under Armour for bringing us together earlier. I was going to say like earlier this summer. It feels like just yesterday, but also like ages ago. I know you travel a fair amount for what you do. Is this summer flying by for you or what? Yes, it's been um, insane. You know, when you you get excited about all the things and then you say yes a thousand times, then you're in it and you're like, what have I done? So they were all very fun. Um, But yeah, pretty happy to be home for a few weeks. I know you know the road life. So it's a blessing and a curse sometimes. I know the road life. I also <laughs> am going to throw into the world here that you you are a two-time Olympian as well. The journey from being a full-time athlete to being a mindset coach kind of go hand in hand. So give us a little bit of insight as to how you got into this work and why you feel like it's so important. Wow. Yeah, I feel really grateful. Uh, I competed on the USA team uh, indoor volleyball for 10 years and got to go to two Olympics. And we actually lost in the gold medal match in my first Olympics in London 2012, which relatively uh, in the sports world is a pretty painful experience. (laughs) And as uh, my boss uh, likes to say, pain causes change. And at that point, we were really willing to do whatever it took to kind of get to the next level. And fortunately for me and our team, we started working with one of the leading performance psychologists, uh, my, Dr. Michael Gervais, who I now work for um, with Finding Mastery. And so we, we present to companies and athletes and coaches, you know, the, the psychology around how we can condition our mind to handle stress and challenge um, in the hopes that we can create a connected culture so that when we're, you know, things get tough, we can rely on each other. And so we actually present with psychologists and Olympians. So my, my, my lens, like where I'm coming from when I speak and when I'm fortunate to work with companies is like, man, I've wrestled with this on the world stage, you know, because it's one thing to talk about placing your attention on what's productive when you're on a podcast or you're happy hour, or, you know, you're sitting in a conference room. It's a whole nother deal when you're fighting for an Olympic medal and you're trying to, um, you know, uh, and be intentional with your thoughts and your emotions and how you channel those things. And it's no different than what we do every day. When we are facing unknowns and challenge, which if you're trying to be your best, everyone is in. It's like, how can we condition our mind? So why I feel passionate about it is uh, because it made a profound difference for me, not only in performing at, you know, at the Olympics, but in my personal life, connecting with other people, with my family. And I think we don't talk about it enough. You know, certainly you're doing great, <laughs> great at this. And and all of these, um, there's so much more to the human experience than craft, tech, you know, technique and strategy and training our body. There's like so much more that we haven't even understood as, as far as the science goes. So to me, it's, it's really fun. Yeah. Uh, when you think now about how you had felt and the thoughts that you had back in 2012, are you kind of thrown for a loop comparing the know-how and the knowledge and the tools and the tips and the strategies that you have at this point to where you were then? Oh man, I'm laughing. Yeah. I just wish I knew these. I, I wish I knew that you could train your mind in the same way that you train everything else um, a long time ago. And another reason we like working with young athletes and coaches and everyone, because it's like this mystery, but we can actually train it day to day, you know, and even something like confidence where I don't know about for you, but I grew up with people like 
hey, go be confident, you know, which is easy when you feel confident. And when you don't, you're like, what the hell does that mean? Like, what do I, what do I anchor to in this moment? So there's like that whole swath of like skills that you can train. And the other part of it, I think is just normalizing that our brains are amazing and they're so inconvenient at times. And typically, as you know, we've talked about this in the moments that we care about the most are the ones that our brain tends to kind of sabotage (laughs) our efforts. So I just wish I was nicer to myself when I was younger and knowing like, hey, this is how we're, we're wired and here's some things that you can do about it. Yeah. I, so many people listening to this think of and know well, when you train a certain muscle, maybe you'll see hypertrophy, you'll see it growing, you'll see the results like that. When it comes to training the mind, how can we gauge quote unquote success? Oh man, I love this question and it's so hard. Uh, it's also such a Western thought, right? How do we quantify this? Um, and I'm in it with you because I asked the same thing. I was like, I remember sitting down to meditate and I was like, what the hell am I doing? I could be doing so many other things to be productive right now. You know, honestly, to me, there's a moment, you know, when you're under stress or challenge or something that you've previously experienced as hard to show up fully in and you kind of have this like pause and almost grin of like, ooh, I'm in it. And the awareness that you have in that moment to go, oh, this is the thing. And I can, I can choose something different now. To me, that is the, the first sign that I felt aware of when I started training mental skills. And I was like, I'm, I'm relating to this thought or I'm relating to this external situation way differently because I've invested in kind of this inner landscape. Um, that and you probably just get pissed off a little bit later. <laughs> like you have more capacity to be yourself in a moment and then go, oh, I'm like pretty angry right now versus the complete being in the reaction of it. For mm. me, that's how it's that's how it's really shown up. Yeah, I could go on, reactive. but I'll just start yeah, with no, that. Less, yeah. less reactive. That's a really that's a really good takeaway there. Uh, what I want to home in on with you, and we're kind of leading that way, is this idea of getting uncomfortable and not just doing it because we are put in situations that make us feel uncomfortable, but choosing to get uncomfortable and why that can be important. So why don't we kick that discussion off maybe by defining what it means to get uncomfortable, right? (laughs) Yeah, man, I could geek out on this for a while. So (laughs) you have to cut me off if necessary. But I think for better, for worse, like all of these skills are essentially leading us to, to be able to trust ourselves and trust starts with us. And can we trust ourselves? Not that the outcome is going to be perfect, but that we can adjust no matter what. And to me, I think that's the ultimate trust. So to get uncomfortable is either mentally, physically, or emotionally getting to an edge that challenges us to show up in alignment. That is how I would define getting uncomfortable. And for better or for worse, the only way to build our capacity to trust ourselves to like adjust and to be nimble and to say, wow, this is inconvenient and uncomfortable, but I'm okay is to be in the arena of that. And so this is where I think uh, mental skills come in. Because it's like when we are in that, I think the first order of business is how do we perceive the moment, which often dictates our entire experience. So is it like, oh, this is great. (laughs) I'm in this stress. This is going to help me. Or is it, oh, shit, I hate this. Get me out of this. I'm not ready for this. I'm not good enough, you know, self-doubt and all those things. And as you know very well, when we resist something, it tends to grow. And so there's this like 
the, when we can be a little bit like water and there's like an acceptance to this and then a shift, I think is when we start to see um, our ability to build capacity there. This is all sounding very vague. Is this making sense? No, it's totally making sense. Okay. The follow-up question to that though is, can't it be both? Can't you feel as though, okay, shoot, I'm scared, I'm nervous, what's going on here, but also recognize it as an opportunity to grow? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, well, that's that's exactly it. I think you hit it. It's like when we have those physical sensations of your heart rate or that pit in your stomach or your palms get sweaty or you wake up at 4 a.m. and the first thought is about that meeting at 3 p.m. Uh, what do you do with that? So that's what I mean by perceive the moment. Is it is it going like, oh, okay, this is my this is my body signaling that I care about this a lot. And I know that when I care about something, it's often going to be harder for me <laughs> to show up full. You know, that's our brains like, oh, this could be a threat. And when we can switch that to, wow, this is like beautiful and amazing. And I'm, you know, the phrase I like to use is like, I'm in it. And it's often me, like, if you guys could see me, I'm like punching the air and I'll call my friend or my coworker. I'm like, dude, I'm in it right now. I'm so uncomfortable, but it's meaningful to me. And I know what's on the other side. And, you know, your original question, I think that is the gift that sports can give us is that almost daily you are facing an unknown and you're in this like physical, emotional, and mental challenge. And you know, what's on the other side of staying in a really hard moment. Because mm. we don't get the, we don't earn the right to throw up our hands and say, oh my God, we did that. I didn't think I could do that. If we don't have the capacity to stay in discomfort over time. And so I'm going to say one more thing at the risk of talking too much. I think the spectrum that we're hitting on is like to be really, to pursue your best. I think there is a time for an override where I'm tired, but I'm going to go run anyway, because it's meaningful to me because there's value because I care so much. This is a necessary step, but damn it. I do not want to get out the door today. You know, most, most of us have been in that. And the other side of the, of that is, do I really have a true clear knowing of what's true for me of, wow, I'm really fatigued. And this is meaningful. Today's the day I'm going to rest or today is the day. No, I am going to choose that override, but if we're not aware of our experience uh, or ourselves, we don't, we can't be intentional with those two things. And I think if we do one or the other too much, we're, we're missing a lot. That idea of the override is super interesting. And also everything you're saying here is really aligning with the idea of knowing your why, right? Because yeah. without knowing your why, then you won't be able to dig in to that override. Yes, a hundred percent. And it's, it's such a powerful tool to know in goal setting, what is the meaning behind this goal? And then how do we stay connected to it day to day? Going back to this concept of that it is important to get intentionally uncomfortable. When I say that phrase, someone's like, well, like, what does that mean? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, where am I supposed to put myself? What situations should I be seeking this uncomfortability? What do you say to that? Oh man, this is, we can get creative with this because it's like, um, if you, you want to get strong in the weight room, you're going to go to the weight room and it's going to hurt. It's going to be uncomfortable. But again, that's, we're like inviting stress in so that we grow. And when we're training the inner experience, training trust, it's the same. So I could offer for some people, it might be physical. I'm going to run three miles. I've never done that before. I'm going to run three miles without stopping, you know, or 10 or for you, 85, whatever that might be. Uh, or it could be 
an emotional situation, I'm going to have a really hard conversation with someone I care about. And, and the key is like, when we feel the discomfort to not run from it or shut down, like, can we just stay in it, stay with it a little longer with curiosity? Because it's then that we learn something. And even if I set out to run three miles or to have a hard combo with you and halfway in it, I completely fail and I stop or I give up, you know, what do we do with that? Can I learn from it? Okay, what could I do next time? And so we're, we're gaining skills only because we're in the arena, you mm. know, and some other fun ways is like, can you, in, can you give a compliment to a stranger? And again, like, don't say it and run away, like stay in it. And there's this very awkward moment where you're standing, staring at a stranger, they're assessing your intent, your intention. It's just like this weird moment. What do you do with it? You know, even yeah. like asking for a discount at a store for no reason, or, you know, like introducing yourself to a stranger for some people, that's really challenging. So anytime we kind of have that response of like, Oh, I want to get out of here or that heart rate comes up. It's a really good place to kind of like, just hang in there. What happens to the person that finds themselves in that headspace of, oh, I want to get out of here each and every time? How do they ease into getting intentionally uncomfortable? Great question. I think a lot of it is compassion. And there's no softness to that. It's really, well, there is some softness. But I mean, I mean that in a very, when we can have great self-talk and and to be able to own our wins, we are able to to stay in something that's difficult longer. And that is really edgy. <laughs> so just if it's one, if it's one conversation and then it takes a long time to recover, you know, it's like going to the gym. If you haven't been in the gym for two years and you try to go squat every single day, you're going to get crushed. But if you go once and then I recover for three days and then I go again, like it's that steady drip of it. Um, and I think when it's emotional or mental, it's really, can I give myself props for trying and then can I learn what was hard and can I have compassion in kind of, all right, what's next? What can I do? Along that journey of embracing uncomfortable situations, there are for sure going to be setbacks, right? Or of course on the show, as we call them hurdles. So let's now transition into talking a little bit about how you can build that resiliency and how we can better respond to those setbacks. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you said it, your whole podcast is called this, but there's no, there's no scenario in life where stress and challenge would completely go away. And for most of us, if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably scratching and clawing to find ways to be a better version of yourself. And so if let's say work got easy or whatever, you would go, you would go find challenge elsewhere. And so, so much of resilience is how we relate to challenge. And even, you know, when we talk about meditating, it's not like the actual thought that's the problem. It's what we do with it. And so if you're trying to be more resilient, I think it's training how we perceive stress and challenge. Where can you find those moments to try to love challenge? Know that deep down, yeah, this sucks right now. And something in this is beautiful is going to come from this. I'm going to learn something from this. It's going to help me figure it out. Or I hate it so much that I'm going to, I'm going to pivot and I'm going to reorganize my life because this isn't working for me anymore. I love that you stressed the word and like it can be both, right? It can be hard, but you can still do it. Yes, I a hundred percent. And I think that's the actual skill is like uh, reframing and, and being able to hold the duality of something and say, yes, this is shitty. And this is the opportunity. 
And I think when we, again, when we resist the hard part or we ignore it, or it's like, yay, I love pandemics. This is awesome. No one, you know, no one's saying that. You're saying, yeah, it's hard. And here's, here's the opportunity. And yeah. we become more nimble. We're just, we're, we're basically learning how to adjust better. Now, what happens when the hurdles keep coming? Because I feel as though we're talking about resiliency being a muscle that we need to strengthen, but sometimes even the most resilient people are tested time and time and time again. And sometimes it's in that experience that it can be understandably easy to lose one's way. So what happens when those hurdles pile up? How can we strengthen the resiliency muscle to that next level? It's a great question. I think I would point to recovery. You know, it's like, you're right. There's only so much stress and capacity that we can hold. And part of being gritty and being tough is being able to, to understand how and, and when and what works for you as far as recovery. And often, at least in the work I do, we work with corporations and they're like, well, I'm going to recover in April when I go to Hawaii for a week, I'm going to sleep in, I'm going to walk, I'm going to, you know, and so this isn't always like, Hey, you got to go to the gym two hours a day, but can I get some movement in, you know, can I walk to work and all these little ways, can I stand up and do 10 squats at the desk? Can I get a lot of hydration in? Can I, you know, maybe I'm not getting nine hours of sleep a night, but can I have better sleep quality because I have a 10 minute routine before I go to bed? So there's all these like small ways that we can invest in recovery and even eating. You know, I think of, uh, can we add energy into our body rather than coming at this, like I should eat this. I shouldn't eat this. This like this pessimistic way of looking at what's broken instead of like, okay, what can I add? What can I do? Well, so for me, recovery is essential in, in the conversation of being resilient. What you said about this idea of, well, I'm going to table that recovery. That's so interesting because I can definitely say it's something I've been guilty of in the past. I think it's something that a lot of us can really relate to this idea of, well, I will make time for it, but I can't make time for it right now. Why is it important to be adaptable? Why is it important for us to shift the understanding or thought process of this is how things should be and embracing our capacity to do things in a different way in the interim? Excellence happens in the present moment. And the most beautiful things in life happen in the present moment. You know, it's where performance and joy and connection are at its highest creativity, innovation. So all of these things that we are working so hard to attain, like we're putting so much energy towards these things uh, to try to tap into where really the answer is almost in the letting go. And so if we really want to problem solve at a high level and connect at a high level and, you know, push our business to the next level, the biggest thing we can do is learn to be present in the moment and, and honor what is actually coming up in the present moment. And so that's why I, I point to recovery and it's not enough to override over and over. I, I've tried it <laughs> to know, you know, to no success. And many people have tried it. And and again, recovery, um, it doesn't have to take a lot of time. It's really about intention. And what else are we doing if we're not able to be where our feet are? I mean, truly, we're missing so many moments in life. I love the phrase, be where your feet are. I also think that some 
of this like delaying of recovery can really halt your productivity as well, right? It's like we think that if we are go, 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 that no matter what happens, even if the hurdles keep piling up, that persistence is going to be the key to the gate. But really being go, go, go doesn't ensure you productivity. It more so just really ensures that you might run yourself into the ground. Yeah. I just want to slow clap to that and say amen because it's, you know, it's, we have, I've been talking about like 47% of our time on average as an adult, our mind is spent wandering, which is an insane amount of time. That's almost half. And so even if you think about an hour long Zoom meeting, if you were to take one minute at the top of the meeting for everyone to take a few breaths, set an intention. So it's a, a recovery practice of thinking well. You can get so much more out of the next 59 minutes. Whereas for most people, they get on a call, they're still thinking about the last call. They're not really paying full attention. They're thinking about their next call or what they're going to make for dinner. And by the time it's, you know, we're seven minutes in, it's like, hey guys, sorry, what? What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. And we're all in that. So in recovery is no different. If we take five minutes, 30 minutes at the top of the day or at the end of the day to invest in yourself, to add energy into yourself, to unwind, whatever that might be, we get so much more out of the moments because we are present. Exactly what you said. We are where our feet are. Yeah. Yeah. And what you're really driving home here also is the importance of focus, you know, mm-hmm. locking into the present, so to speak, whether it's an uncomfortable moment or just another Zoom call, what actionable tips do you have to offer the hurdlers when it comes to being more present, being where your feet are? Oof. Hurdlers, this is a this is a good one. Yeah, I think the thing about focus is, uh, if we are, we know the science is very clear, and we also know from experience we do our best work in the when we're completely absorbed in the present moment. Yet it's really challenging in our days to do that. So I think the practice is being intentional about when you want to do that, and whether that's creating boundaries around, hey, for these thirty minutes, I'm trying to I'm trying to problem solve. I've got to be creative. I can't do that if I'm texting or if I'm doing five things at once. So creating little boundaries, I think, is important. And then the other part of focus that is often left untalked about is the letting go. You know, so we point a flashlight and we really want to focus on that. We've got to turn it off at times in order. Okay, let your mind go. Let your mind water. It's natural. It's it's normal. We're multitasking, whatever. And then I'm going to come back even harder. And then, you know, even at the Olympic level in volleyball, we, our plays usually last 15 to 20 seconds or seven to 20 seconds. And one of the practices to focus intensely, you know, over a long period of time with many distractions was to let go of it. You come in hard for one play and then have some like three seconds of letting go. And then we come back over and over. So it's just similar to like pushing and recovering. Like you can't, you can't just keep focusing. I also feel as though sometimes it requires us to work on that flexibility muscle, right? Just because something worked for us one way in the past doesn't mean that the same will hold true going forward. And re-jiggering or being adaptive, also a very hard skill to like feel as though you've totally mastered. I don't think anyone ever totally masters it, but being open to that can be such a game changer for getting to where you want to go. Oh man. I'm, I'm just saying amen to all of your comments. Yes. 
I agree. I think to the skill of curiosity and staying open to learning is what you're hitting on. And again, it's one thing to do that in when you're comfortable, but when you are really under stress, can you stay open and curious? And to me, the this skill there, if you want to increase your ability to do that, is having awareness of where your thoughts go when you're under stress. And then we get to choose how we engage with them. So it's not like we're privy to being in a bad mood or really hanging on to an outcome that we know we can't really control because we care about it. But when those things come up, or if I'm on a podcast and I start to get overwhelmed by, oh my God, so many people are listening, but then I'm aware of it. It's like, oh, okay, what do I do with that? Oh, I actually really care. This is okay. I'm going to anchor to this skill. And so again, I'm going to, I keep pointing back to mindfulness because it really is about awareness and then how we choose to engage with how we choose to engage with it. So rounding this out now, going back to that original topic of getting familiar with feeling uncomfortable, opening yourself up perhaps more frequently to uncomfortable situations. What last thoughts would you offer to the hurdlers when it comes to being where their feet are, even in those uncomfortable situations? Connecting to the vision and like, knowing why it's meaningful for you to build this skill. And it the context doesn't always matter in this. I think when we train trust, it tends to carry over elsewhere because, wow, I, I can do anything. I know that I can sit at Thanksgiving dinner with my mother-in-law and be really triggered and be okay. <laughs> I also know I can run a marathon and it's going to suck. It's going to hurt, but I can do it because I wanted to prove, you know, whatever. So anchoring to the vision, I think is really important. And the other, the other part I would say is have a community mm. and be able to share with someone, dude, I am in it today, you know, and even, you know, some of these things can be thought of as soft, but we'll be in, I remember being in the gym and looking at my teammate and be like, dude, I want to punch everyone in the face right now, you know? And we laughed. I'm like, dude, I am in it today. I do not know why I'm just in such a bad mood. And we laughed and then it's like, okay yeah, this is real for me right now. And this is how I'm going to engage with it. Um, but when we can have those open conversations with other people and bring lightness and humor, I think that's, that's a really powerful skill when you're dealing with stress. And uh, one of the, just to tie this back into recovery as well, one of the questions I like to ask people is, uh, when, when's the last time you like really lost your shit laughing? Like tears, belly laughs, just like out of control. And if, if we can't really remember it's probably been too long. Laughter is connection connection with other people. It's deep breathing, which helps deactivate the nervous system. Like it's so, it's this like soul reset. It's like jumping in a cold ocean, you know? And we don't, that's the other, that's what we would call the fifth pillar of recovery. And also helps us, um, you know, build trust because, hey, we're in this with other people. I don't have to be perfect. And I think that idea of when the last time you really let go is applicable when it comes to so many of our emotions, right? Not just that big belly laugh, but also like releasing sadness and anger. Like when was the last time that you really just completely no holds, like let go in every aspect? It's important because keep, keeping it bottled inside just doesn't do anyone any good. Yes. Well said. I was just well reading said. something that was like, it was talking about how a baby just expresses in the present moment. And there's, mm. there's no narrative. There's, they're not telling themselves a story. They're just like, this is what is. 
and then I'm going to move on. And um, then you kind of get to the toddler stage. It's a different situation. But I think, you know, I was like, oh, we should live like babies. That's a great idea. <laughs> we should Within reason. Like Within reason. Somebody <laughs> swaddle me. Courtney, this was so good. So many really excellent takeaways in here. How do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you for more really insightful takeaways? Give us your information. Yeah, thank you. This has been fun. Um, you know, our company, Finding Mastery, if you're interested in kind of what we do or how we train our mind, we offer a course, which would be awesome. And then I don't have much social media, but I'm on Instagram, ctomp underscore three. So hit me up wherever. But yeah, I love these conversations and really admire the work you do. So thank you for having Aww. me. Thanks, Court. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.